XL uh, Q, Bristol, uh, Vermont, and WNYV, Whitehall, Glens Falls. It's 8 o'clock. Good morning. This is Northern Light for Tuesday, November 28th. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. The first big snowstorm of the year is underway in the Tug Hill Plateau. We'll have details just ahead. State police in one of the North Country's troops have a new leader. Major Brent Davison is just the second Troop B commander to be born and raised in the region. He says a big priority is trooper recruitment. We will end up with troopers from all around the state coming here to work temporarily, but we do try to recruit right from our own backyards, get people that were born and raised here that know the communities. Also, advocates are urging the governor to sign a bill shifting some local elections to even-numbered years. It's really a matter of trying to leverage that already high turnout in the even years and get more people the opportunity to weigh in on who's running their local town and who's running their local county. And book reviewer Betsy Capish shares her thoughts about And Then She Fell. It's the first novel by Mohawk writer Alicia Elliott. Elliott's novel is powerful and disturbing and also a shout-out to the strength and kinship of Indigenous women. All of that and more is coming up on Northern Light. Stick with us. Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by Long Run Wealth, an SEC-registered investment advisor in Lake Placid, providing comprehensive wealth management, retirement, and financial planning solutions, longrunwealth.com, and by Fisher, Bissett, Muldowney, and McArdle, attorneys and counselors at law with offices in Malone, Tupper Lake, and Saranac Lake, 800-941-5001. This is Northern Light. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. The first big snowstorm of the season is hitting the Tug Hill Plateau. The National Weather Service issued a lake effect snow warning through tomorrow for Jefferson, Lewis, Oswego, Northern Hamilton, and Herkimer counties. One to two feet of snow are expected, plus winds gusting up to 35 miles per hour. Patrick Mahar is the highway superintendent for the town of Denmark. He says his department has already geared up for the storm. We go over the equipment, we get it loaded and prepped, and just wait. We check roads, um, and then we go out accordingly. If they start to coat over, we salt and sand and try to stay ahead of it so it doesn't uh, stick to the road. And once we start plowing, we keep going until we have to stop. Mahar cautions people to drive slowly and be aware of their surroundings as high winds blowing can uh, uh, blowing snow can lower visibility. Watch for the plows. Try to give them as much room as possible and, and try not to pass. And that's it. The lake effect snow alert is in effect through Wednesday morning. The Weather Service warns that travel could be very difficult to impossible and urges drivers to be prepared for varied road conditions. Lighter snow is expected in Herkimer and Hamilton counties in the Adirondacks. You can find more information at ncpr.org slash weather. 
Now we're going to meet someone who has a big influence on our daily lives in the North Country. Major Brent Davison is the new commander for Troop B of the state police. Troop B patrols roads and investigates crimes in Clinton, Essex, Franklin, and St. Lawrence counties and the northern half of Hamilton County. Davison joined the state police 27 years ago after serving in the Army and as a corrections officer. He told our Champlain Valley reporter, Kara Chapman, that he always felt the desire to serve. When I joined the state police, I I really felt good about myself. I felt I was going to have a chance to serve my community. I had done so through the country. Now I'm going to serve my community. And I stayed because I've always loved this job. I think I've passed that on to other people, and my own son is in the state police academy. Davison is just the second Troop B commander to be born and raised in the North Country. He grew up in Morse Forks, which is in Clinton County. Davison says his local ties give him a better understanding of the area's people and communities. I think probably I'm more committed to the people just because, you know, when I go home after work, I'm living in the community that I work. So I have more ownership over it, I think. Davison is also a deacon with the Roman Catholic Diocese of Ogdensburg. He says the training for that role helps his leadership style as troop commander. Being taught how to pastor and handle people uh, the way that the church asked me to do it helps me deal with other people, whether they be members of the state police or just the public in general. Um, it's once again about service. So I think, uh, I think they go hand in hand together. Davison's tenure as troop commander begins as the state police starts a big recruitment push. Governor Kathy Hochul has said the goal is to double the number of new recruits starting next year. Davison says the hope is that new Troop B recruits are locals. We will end up with troopers from all around the state coming here to work temporarily, but we do try to recruit right from our own backyards, get people that were born and raised here that know the communities. What is your biggest pitch for joining the state police? Well, I think if you're a young man or woman and you feel a desire or or calling to protect and serve your community, I think the New York State Police is probably one of the best options in New York State. I think our salary and benefits are better than most. I think our training is better than most. I think the public supports us a lot more than people think they do. Uh, Many times when we're out in public, the majority of what we hear is thank you. We have people thanking us and shaking our hands, so the majority of the public supports us. It's not something to be feared to be a police officer. The state police doesn't just want to expand its ranks. A spokesperson says the agency also wants to diversify its applicant pool. That includes a pledge to increase the percentage of female recruits to 30% by the end of the decade. In early July, there were almost 5,000 sworn members in the state police. About 80% of them were white men. The second largest group was white women at 11%. I asked Davison how he thinks about diversity goals when it comes to Troop B. I'm wondering, you know, how amidst this recruitment push, you're also hoping to maybe diversify the ranks of Troop B as well. Sure. Um, Unfortunately, it's not easy to, to recruit people right now to be law enforcement officers, to be police officers, to be troopers. So um, certainly we want to diversify if we can, but right now we'll take We're interested in people that are qualified and feel that they have the calling to serve the public, to protect and serve their communities, um, to be able to stand up for what's right and wrong, 
and obviously to possibly put themselves at risk and, and, and maybe have to sacrifice their life to save someone else's. So, um, yes, diversity is a goal of the New York State Police, but right now a more direct and immediate goal is getting people to sign up that want to take our exam and become New York State troopers. That's becoming more and more difficult in today's day and age. Colleges in the area tend to bring, you know, people of more diverse backgrounds mm-hmm. here, you know, especially, you know, people of color. And we have reported in the past about students who say they may have been profiled by law enforcement. And I'm wondering how how you reckon with that, you know, like building that trust with those communities in the face of experiences that these people have been having. Um, we've had members attend bias training and other trainings that help um, our awareness. Um, You know, I've never witnessed profiling or anyone being treated any differently because of their race. Uh, Many times people are stopped at night, per se, for speeding. And if they're a minority, they they allege that they were stopped because they're a minority, which obviously wouldn't be possible. So... Uh, I can't speak for how they feel, how different races feel when they're, when they're stopped. I know even as a police officer, when I'm stopped, I feel anxiety and fear. It's just a, it's a biological human response. So um, I think the state police works with training our people properly and when it's afforded, training that you know makes us aware of possible personal biases and things to help prevent what could be perceived as profiling or mistreating somebody of a minority race. Applications to take the New York State Trooper entrance exam are open until March 4th. The last day to take the test is March 17th. Kara Chapman, North Country Public Radio, Raybrook. You're listening to Northern Light right here on North Country Public Radio. It's 810. Good morning. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Just ahead, our book reviewer Betsy Capus shares her thoughts on the first novel by a young Mohawk writer. That conversation in just a few minutes right here on Northern Light. Broadcast of Northern Light is supported by Adirondack Foundation, connecting generous donors with the causes they care about in the places they love today, tomorrow, and always. More at adirondackfoundation.org. Reminder that uh, Lewis County Public Transportation is closed today, as is South Lewis Central School in Lyons Falls. A two-hour delay at Lowville Academy and the Lewis County Sheriff's Office has issued a no unnecessary travel advisory for Lewis County until further notice due to the blowing and drifting snow and road conditions. Music by Joe Phillips out of Warrensburg.
Advocates are urging Governor Kathy Hochul to sign a bill that would shift some local elections in New York, normally held in odd-numbered years, to even-numbered ones. Karen DeWitt has more. Senate sponsor James Scoofus says the bill would increase voter turnout and save money because it would consolidate many local elections normally held in odd-numbered years and that generate low voter turnout into even years. That's when statewide races, including for governor and presidential races, are held. He says the recently held local elections earlier in November are an example. You have 20, 30 percent of the electorate making decisions for the entire community. And, uh, you know, it's not as if uh, the rest of the community, the balance of the community uh, is not interested in generally voting because in those very same municipalities, you have in some cases 70, 80 percent of people who turn out uh, in some of the even numbered cycles. And so it's really a matter of trying to leverage that already high turnout in the even years and get more people the opportunity to weigh in on who's running their local town and who's running their local county. Senator Scoofus held a news conference attended by government reform advocates, including Susan Lerner of Common Cause. Lerner says the state holds so many elections on various dates throughout the year, including village elections in March, school budgets in May, as well as June primaries, that voters can become confused and weary. There's a concept called voter fatigue, and unfortunately, we are fatiguing our voters. Opponents and include some Republicans, including North Country Congresswoman Elise Stefanik and the New York Association of Counties. They say if local races are held when high-profile contests for governor and president are run, then local candidates' voices could get lost in the mix. Scoofus and other supporters argue that the higher turnout in the even years will give more attention to local candidates for office. Governor Hochul has not yet said whether she will sign the measure. A spokesman would only say that the governor is reviewing the legislation. But in June, Hochul was asked about the measure, and she said that she agreed with the concept. Yes, if you're talking about turnout, I would say having the year when there's more people turning out for either a presidential or a gubernatorial race, uh, it, it increases turnout, and more people voting in these elections is always better for democracy. Uh, but I've not had a chance to look at the details. The bill does not include all local elections. Some, like county sheriff, district attorney, and city elections, are required by the New York State Constitution to be held in odd-numbered years. Senator Scoofus says if the measure becomes law, he's already drafted a constitutional amendment. It would allow the rest of the races to also be held in even-numbered years. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. The St. Regis Mohawk Tribe is getting $1.5 million in funding from the EPA. The Solid Waste Infrastructure for Recycling Grant is designed to help the tribe improve its recycling system. In a press release, the tribe's Environment Division's Assistant Director, Leslie Benedict, said the grant will allow additional upgrades at their expanding transfer station. That includes creating what Benedict says is badly needed space for processing recycled materials. It will also allow the Environmental Division to provide food waste services to the community. North Country Assemblyman Scott Gray is proposing a bill to address problems he sees with the state's new rules for buying ammunition. Catherine Wheeler has more. Under the new law, people buying ammunition in New York now must pass a background check before every purchase. Assemblyman Scott Gray says he's talked to gun shop owners who say it's a cumbersome process. A lot of people come into the area to go hunting. They have hunting camps. 
And a lot of people are coming into the area trying to buy ammunition on their way to hunting camp. And they find that they cannot finish the process. Gray says approvals for background checks get delayed, sometimes for days, and there's no notification system for the gun shop or buyer to know when they've passed. Plus, the state tax on a $2.50 fee to every purchase. So Gray is proposing that people buying ammunition only get a background check once a year. Then they'd get a permit or identification number to show each time they buy ammunition. The state police have the ability to flag any accounts that are in the system. So if something happened and somebody got charged with a crime in the interim, you know, after they've been approved once, the state police can flag it and prevent any other purchases from happening. Gray says he wants to improve the law where he can to make it easier on business owners and gun owners. Catherine Wheeler, North Country Public Radio. The federal government is giving out more free at-home COVID tests. Starting this week, U.S. residents can order four COVID tests online at covidtests.gov. The tests are completely free. Shipping is included. And all you need to give is a name and address. No health insurance required. People who didn't order earlier this fall can place two orders now to receive a total of eight tests. And wheels are up today on the first direct flight from Plattsburgh to Orlando. It's the first route from the Plattsburgh Airport offered by Carrier Breeze Airways. North Country Chamber of Commerce President Gary Douglas told NBC5 that they expect it to be a popular route. He says they hope to attract Canadian travelers by offering a convenient option for snowbirds who spend winters in Florida. Breeze Airways will also provide direct flights to Tampa starting this February. Listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. In just a minute, Betsy Capis reviews a new novel by a best selling Canadian author, author. That conversation is coming up in just a minute. Then stick around after the show for Bird Note. We'll hear about the Cuban giant owl, which is now extinct, but was supposed to have weighed uh, three and a half, uh, 20 pounds and was three and a half feet tall. We'll hear more about the largest of all known owls that hunted on foot coming up on Bird Note at 842. But first, Todd has a look at the weather for us. Heavy snow, blowing and drifting snow along eastern Lake Ontario into the western Adirondacks, including the Tug Hill Plateau. Today, tonight, and into most of tomorrow as well, according to the National Weather Service, there is a lake effect snow warning for uh, Jefferson, Lewis, Oswego, and most of Herkimer and Hamilton counties through tomorrow morning. And uh, the Lewis County Sheriff's Office has issued a no unnecessary travel advisory for Lewis County until further notice because of that heavy snow. Elsewhere today, uh, sunshine in places like Glens Falls and Lake George, highs in the 30s and partly cloudy skies, partly to mostly cloudy skies, some light snow showers, but winds gusting out of the southwest today up to 35, 40 miles per hour. Again, winter storm, lake effect uh, storm warning for along eastern Lake Ontario into the western Adirondacks. 
Adirondacks and the Tug Hill through tomorrow morning with occasionally heavy snowfall, bands of heavy snow on and off throughout tomorrow morning. Right now in Canton, partly cloudy and 26 degrees. The first novel by Mohawk writer Alicia Elliott features a young mother with a newborn. She struggles with mental illness and can't adjust to the white world of Toronto after years of living on a reserve. Our book reviewer, Betsy Capis, talked with me about Elliott's novel, And Then She Fell. Todd, this book is Elliott's first novel, but she became a best-selling author in Canada with her memoir, A Mind Spread Out on the Ground. The title is a literal translation of the Mohawk word to describe a person who has mental illness. And there's more of that in this novel. So is that what the title refers to, And Then She Fell? Yes, but it also refers to a Haudenosaunee creation story where Sky Woman falls out of Sky World and becomes the first human on Earth. Alice, the main character in this novel, is trying to write an up-to-date, non-sexist version of this creation story. But she's also caring for her newborn and has what might be postpartum psychosis or perhaps visions. Plus, she's in a Toronto suburb surrounded by judgmental white people. And she's mourning her mother, who recently died of an overdose. Which all sounds really grim. Yeah, (laughs) I know. And it would be, except um, Elliot's prose is very fresh and sometimes even funny. Hard to describe until you read it. It, so the tone of this book could be really bad, but it, it, does, it doesn't go down there. Um, here she is describing the great tree in the sky world. I should probably tell you about the great tree. Set the scene and whatnot. It was smack in the middle of sky world and pretty much held the whole place together. Plus, it fed everyone. So it was kind of a big deal. I'm not sure exactly how to describe it. I guess if trees were old movie monsters, the great tree was like Frankenstein's monster, only more useful. It didn't have all those annoying existential questions, for one. Okay, I see what you mean. The uh, very voice is very direct and casual, and it makes an old story seem modern. Yeah, it, it's, it, she's great the way she writes those. But I got to say, most of this book is not in that chatty, myth-telling voice. Oh. Um, Alice is struggling with her writing. Um, She's got a lot of things happening in her life. Her husband is a professor, and he encourages her, but she isn't sure of his motives. Here's Alice. I have a white husband who doesn't believe racism exists, yet also believes cosplaying as an Indian will secure his career. The sad part is, it probably will. Everything indigenous seems to have more value when it's utilized by white folks. Our clothes, our jewelry, our language, even our identities, especially those. Mm. That is a strong statement. Um, It kind of sounds, you know, is is Alice saying her husband married her because she's a Mohawk? Or is it more of her psychosis talking? Um, Alice continues to spiral down and is even suspicious of her good friend Tanya, who visits from the reservation. Tanya brings a traditional medicine tea and a sage smudge. When they go out into the backyard, Tanya sees birch trees that lean together, and she believes they're a portal to another world. Here's Tanya, then Alice. Anyway, be careful walking between those guys, eh? Don't want to end up in, like, colonial times on accident. We're already in colonial times. 
I say as I turn and stare at the trees. They do look like a doorway, actually. And there's whispers coming from them. Really? Whispers? Does Alice actually hear the trees whispering? I'm not going to give anything away. But in this last part of the novel, the pace really picks up as the past, present, and future all come together to help Alice get through her deep grief. I really liked the way reality was flexible in this book. Hmm. Somehow, though, I don't think this novel has a happily ever after ending. No, not in the traditional or Disney sense of it. Elliot's novel is powerful and disturbing and also a shout-out to the strength and kinship of indigenous women. Thanks for your thoughts, Betsy. My pleasure. I love talking about good books. And Then She Fell is the first novel by Mohawk writer Alicia Elliott. Our book reviewer, Betsy Capis, lives, reads, and writes in Colton. Listening to music now by the longtime Finger Lakes favorite Donna the Buffalo. They're coming to the Adirondacks this weekend. They'll be performing Saturday night at the Waterhole in Saranac Lake. This is their song, Motor. song Motor by the group Donna and the Buffalo out of the Finger Lakes. They're coming to uh, Saranac Lake this weekend at the Waterhole. You can find out more 
um, from uh, SaranacLakeWaterHole.com. You are listening to Northern Light right here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Monica Sandreski here with the wonderful Todd Moe. And we want to remind you about a few events going on throughout the region, including uh, also this Saturday, before you head to Saranac Lake, you can stop by the Plattsburgh Public Library Auditorium. They're doing a reading of a new one-act musical, The Plainview Public Library by William Stokes. Uh, it'll star Laura Farrell, Casey Galligan, Brian Lavalley, Alavesque, Lou Levesque, uh, Ethan Luoma, Max Preston, uh, Kathleen Recchia, and uh, Jessica Grigsby. This is completely free. That reading of a new one-act musical, The Plainview Public Library, coming this Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock to the Plattsburgh Public Library Auditorium. You're also invited to uh, the Jefferson Community College Dionysian Players Turned Film Drama Club. They're presenting a holiday musical titled The Littlest Elf on December 8th and 9th at 6.30 and then December 10th at 2 in the Robert R. and Jean S. Sturtz Theater at Jefferson Community College. Should be a lot of fun. Tickets are on sale right now. It's, uh, it's an original piece written and directed by Michael Kinney. And it takes place on uh, on Christmas Eve at the North Pole. Uh, so check that out. Uh, SUNYJefferson.edu is where you can get your tickets in advance for The Littlest Elf at JCC. And as you're thinking of holiday shopping, you can shop local this weekend and step into the magic of the season with um, an artisanal Christmas pop-up market in Saratoga Springs. It's the second annual Artisan's Christmas Market uh, presented by Lady Lily's Place. It's this Saturday from 11 to 5 and will include shopping, free coffee and cocoa, cookies and photos with Mrs. Claus and and custom photo cookie ornaments. There is a snow date of uh, Sunday from 11 to 5 if uh, if it does uh, get a little bit too blustery out there, you can find out more um, from Lady Lily's Place. That is it for the show for the day. Morning Edition continues in just a minute. Then stick around after that for the Marketplace Morning Report. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. Thanks for listening. Be well. <laughs>